When you hear that someone is missing, your mind can run wild with all of the things that could have possibly happened to them. Maybe they wanted to get away for a little while. Or maybe it's possible that something sinister happened from the person that you would never expect. Or would you? In April of 2013, Melissa Rodriguez was reported missing by her estranged husband, Jose. None of her family or friends have seen or talked to her since. A missed train, no contact from Melissa, a sabotage investigation, and over 10 years of no answers. Her family, police, and myself want to know. What happened to Melissa Rodriguez? I'm Kellyanne Rue, and this is Who You Let In. When I left off last episode, I explained how Jose charged out two mop heads and industrial strength cleaner. The police report states that detectives went to the Amtrak station where Jose worked and talked to one of his co-workers. This co-worker was working on April 21st when Jose arrived and requested the supplies. The detectives also obtained video footage of Jose pulling into the station in a red pickup truck, entering the building, speaking with his co-worker, and then leaving with the supplies in his truck just two days before he reported Melissa missing. Without being 100% accurate, I know we got mop heads, bleach, a bucket, rags, trash bags, all things, in my opinion, that would be consistent with cleaning up and disposing of something. I'm going to go back a little bit and talk about Jose's initial interview with police. Jose reported Melissa missing on April 23rd. The officers working the case called Jose again the next day on the 24th. Jose gave basically the same story, that he had the girls for the weekend and found out Melissa was missing when the kids weren't picked up from school. One thing that struck me as odd is what Jose had told the officer during their conversation. Jose said that he had learned that a woman's body had been found floating in the Passaic River near Penn Station in Newark, New Jersey. Uh, what? So I googled the Passaic River and found out that it is about 80 miles long and runs through northern New Jersey. When you were doing research for something like this, it is so easy to go down a rabbit hole. And that is exactly what happened. You can find absolutely anything on the internet. You can find phone numbers, addresses, old pictures, yearbook photos, really anything. So I googled for hours and hours and hours. It was so bad that I was even zooming in on Google Earth to see if I could see any abnormalities in the river. (laughs) However, I did find something that I thought was interesting. Evie mentioned that Jose's father didn't live too far from her. Because I had an idea of where he lived, I obviously checked. I mean, I'm basically a detective now. The Passaic River was pretty close in proximity to his dad's house, Penn Station, and Evie's house. If Jose did do something to Melissa, I feel like he would know his way around that area and the Passaic River. Plus, it's super suspicious that he even mentioned that. Like, I just, I still cannot wrap my head around that comment. After Jose mentioned that to the police officer, he was asked to go into the police station for an in-person interview. He originally stated that he could go the same day, but would be there around 1230. He didn't show up, and around 1250, he was contacted again. He then said that he could be there by 530. Jose eventually showed up to the police station around 6 p.m. on April 24th. In this interview, he said that he was at the house in Collingdale Friday morning while Melissa was getting the kids ready for school. He watched Melissa load the kids into the car and put the luggage in the trunk, which he said was a pink suitcase. After talking with Evie, she informed the police that every single time that Melissa would visit, she used a black suitcase. Melissa had supposedly asked him to keep the kids for an extra day and that she was going to return on Monday, April 24th. That was according to Jose. What he must not have known was that Melissa was supposed to start a new job on the 24th. Also, in his original statement to police, he said that he left for work before Melissa left with the kids to take them to school. 
He also said in his original statement that when the kids weren't picked up from school, he called a friend to get them. During this interview, he said that he called his friend's wife to pick them up and that he arrived to the house in Collingdale around 5.30. When Melissa would visit Evie in Newark, she would take her car to the local Amtrak station and then would take the train into Newark. Jose told police that he was using the car that Melissa usually drove all weekends and she left it at the house. Remember, Melissa had no family in Pennsylvania. There was no other way for her to get to the train station, and family and friends stated that she always drove her car and would park it at the train station. I reached out to another friend of Melissa's, but she was unwilling to speak with me as talking about Melissa still upsets her. From here on out, I will call her Brittany, and any information about Brittany is from the police report that I was given. Detectives were interviewing Brittany on April 27th. She informed them that she had spoken with Melissa over the phone that Thursday, April 18th, but had not seen her in person since a birthday party that February. She stated that Melissa had told her about wanting to divorce Jose because of his affair, but that she didn't have any money to do so. She mentioned, just like everyone else, about not being able to have any credit cards, cutting engine wires, and being abusive and controlling. While Brittany was still speaking with the detectives, her phone rang. And you're not going to believe who it was. The person on the other end was Jose. He was calling to inform her that Melissa had been found. Just like that? I'm sure you know that's not how this ends. Okay, so hold on. This is going to be confusing for a second. According to the information that I have, well, I'm just going to read it directly. At 1245 hours, while Detective A and Detective B were interviewing Brittany, Jose Rodriguez called her cell phone. She recognized the number on her cell and she did not answer. The phone of Brittany's husband then rang and it was Jose calling. Jose told the husband that Melissa had been found and that she was hiding out. Detective A went on to Facebook and after 10 minutes determined that Melissa was still missing and that it was a rumor. Detective A, examining the Facebook postings, found that person one initiated this rumor after hearing it from person two. Person two received this information from person three, who was Jose Rodriguez's cousin, who heard this information directly from Jose Rodriguez and his father. He was doing things to try to sabotage the investigation. Um, you know, like telling people, oh, Melissa was found. And so he went around the stores and take, take, started taking down, you know, the missing person side, you know, was found, which wasn't true. In this interview, Brittany also mentioned Melissa's journal. She said that Melissa wrote everything in that journal and that she believes Jose is in possession of it. Around this same time, Melissa's family and friends were canvassing the neighborhood and hanging missing person posters on street poles and inside of stores in the area. Jose really wasn't of much help during this time. He was taking posters down, telling neighbors that she was found, and was at the police station for questioning. He also didn't speak to any of the family members or friends. He stayed away from them from what I was told. It wasn't long after this that Jose obtained a lawyer. I was like, why? Before? He lawyered up. Real fast. And we was like, why did he lawyer up? Nobody saying, pointing fingers at him at all. We never once said, oh, you know, you know what you did to her or where she was. No, we never, nothing. We were just like wondering where she's at, what could have happened to her. But him causing, saying that he did something to her, not at that moment, but when he lawyered up, that means he was hiding something. That's when I said, "Uh uh-uh, something's not right here. He lawyered up. Mm -hmm. That's called guilt. 
On April 29th, Jose's work truck was confiscated and transported to the Collingdale Police Department, where a search warrant was executed. He worked for Amtrak, I believe in Newark, New Jersey, was where he was stationed out of. We wanted to try to find his truck. And eventually we did find the truck, and we towed it and impounded it. Because I remember the night we impounded it, all the news crews showed up at the police station as we flatbedded it from the police station out to the county. And initially on the truck, they found a speck of blood, but later it was determined to be fish blood. Thought it might have been her blood. On May 1st, Jose's friend's wife, the one who picked the kids up from school, was interviewed by police. She stated that she picked the kids up from school on Monday and dropped them off at another friend's house. I will call her S. S stated that Jose informed her that he stayed in New Jersey with the kids on April 19th until Monday the 22nd. S also mentioned the journal that Melissa wrote in every day. This same day, Melissa's two girls were interviewed by police and they too mentioned Melissa's journal. It later came out on the same day, May 1st, that around 1 a.m., a neighbor was walking by and saw Jose digging in the backyard near their pool and then dumping the dirt in another location into the side yard. After hearing this, the police went to the house on Lafayette and viewed the yard from the public sidewalk outside of the fence. In the side yard, the officer observed a mound of dirt with weeds grown over it and a shovel sticking straight out. There was also a wheelbarrow to the left of the mound propped up against the front fence. Because the grass and weeds were so overgrown, the officer could not see where the dirt was removed from. Based on all of that information, the Collingdale Police Department requested that a search warrant be executed on the house. But at some point in the investigation, a neighbor came forward and said about 1.30 in the morning of that weekend, he saw him in the backyard with a shovel. Um, we did a search warrant on the house and we brought in dogs. My background is in EMS, in emergency medical services. I've been in a very long time. Left um, and went part-time. Left because I finished a master's degree at the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. Left and went part-time. Left because I finished a master's degree at the Philadelphia College of Osteopathic Medicine. And my master's is in forensic medicine. When this case was around, I was like the guy in Delaware County to call. I remember getting a call to come to Collingdale and to look for this, to, to cover this case. And what I remember correctly was, hey, we're not going to tell you anything about this. Just can you search this area? And it was near this house. And it was at uh, like a dead end street that we parked on. So just come down here. The detective met us and given me the rundown and said, hey, I need uh, I need for the search warrant, I need Stash's background. Like, what does he, like, tell me about him. I said, you know, continuously certified, you had to recertify every so often, and had this many fines, this many awards, like, had done great stuff. He was reliable. And they're like, okay, yeah, cool. Like, uh, this will be good. And But in true professional fashion, they didn't tell me like, don't, like, look over there under that pile. You know, they didn't do anything like that. They're like, this is your search zone. They gave me the area around, like, these two houses, one being, like, a corner house, if I remember correctly. I said, all right, you know, and uh, took stashing. They made sure there's no traffic, no anything. I'm like, let me just take him off his lead. Just don't let anybody walk down the street because he's going to want to go greet them and then come back to work, you know, but I don't want to distract them. No other dogs out and about. So, um... I put him out, and, you know, there's a way to do it where the dog kind of quarters into the wind. So, you, like, 
you know, when you're trying to find out who's cooking on the barbecue and it smells great, <laughs> how you kind of like you adjust where you're standing. Well, you're doing what the dog does. Like you walk until you don't smell it and turn around and go back to where you did smell it. And you kind of start angling in. And that's what Stash would do. Well, he went, he started smelling and went up to the fence at this house and was literally trying to like stick his nose under the fence, pulled at the fence, basically telling me, I want to go on the other side of this fence. He didn't do it at the other houses, didn't do it any other place, didn't do any of that. Interestingly, and I don't want to pollute any of what you're saying or doing, but he wanted to get in there and that gave them the, um, that convinced the judge for a warrant to look there. Like, we really want, this dog is smelling something there. So that opened it up for the warrant. Now, outside of that, I can't tell you what else they had. Mm-hmm. I can't, I really don't know. Because none of that is the dog handlers. I shouldn't know any of that because I shouldn't influence the dog in any way. And that's where you kind of get in the line of influencing the dog. So it's just like, search this area, search this area. Now, with that, I'm going to hold for a second. There's another part to this but I don't want to go any further. Let me just ask you a question. In what you just, in your research, what do you think about her? What do I think about it? Well, I think that considering how controlling Jose was, he was probably pretty jealous that she wanted to leave him and that she was talking to somebody else. He seems like the type to be like, if I can't have her, no one can. That and all of the things that he put her through with taking her away from her family, cutting wires on her car, not letting her have a phone and everything else. I think that's the recipe for the husband did it. But that's just my opinion, not a fact. Yeah. To me, if Stash could get close to the what he believed was the origin of the scent, he would indicate. If he couldn't get if he was like frustrated, like it's over there, I can't quite get to it, then Stash would have a lighter reaction, but stubborn reaction. Like he'd be trying to figure out a way to get there. Like there's trying to stick his head under the fence. He'd run his, his pole down the fence, but wouldn't be looking for his reward, which that's just something he did. Like, he would turn around and look at my pocket like, it's time to give it to me. I found it. And that was always, like, to me, I was like, that was always, like, such a strong indicator. I'm like, well, he certainly did find it. I mean, here it is. Dash had that indication of, I can't, indication, that thing of, I can't quite get to where I want to be. And we couldn't because we didn't have a search warrant to go into the house yet. It was Dash's action that got us to the search warrant to me it was really obvious that stash smelled something i'm like he knows it's there where it is could it be in the house could it be buried in the ground right there could it be in the trash can could be anywhere he's telling me it's i'm interested in something on the other side of that fence so we established another search warrant with more probable cause to search the yard with cadavers because at the time of her she went missing there was a boat in the backyard that we never searched and subsequently, the boat disappeared. We have no idea where the boat went. Then there was a shed on the side closest to Sharon Hill, closest to McDade Boulevard, that is now gone. It's gone. It's, it's not there. So we did it with the dogs, and they kept hitting on the back wall of the house where that shed was. And we took them in the house, and they kept hitting on the basement floor in the back of the basement, which would be the opposite wall from the foundation to where that shed was. So our thought might have been in the investigation that at one point she was in the shed, if in fact she was murdered, was in the shed, and secretions 
from her body went through the stone floor of the shed into the ground and traveled the point of least resistance, which was the foundation, and then worked the way underneath the house mm-hmm. with the secretions with rain and all. Because it had been a few months before we did the cadavers. Mm-hmm. Um, so we literally destroyed the basement. Came with jackhammers and sledges and took out two foot by two foot sections. Um, and the cadaver kept hitting on it, but there was nothing there. So then we brought a back a backhoe in the side yard, and we dug up where the shed was to see if she, in fact, was buried there. And, again, just the cadavers hitting, but no physical evidence. At that point, we kind of felt that if, in fact, the, there had been a, a crime, she was in that boat because the boat was now gone. It was just gone. It's called a grid search. They gridded the whole yard. There's this machine we brought in, a very expensive machine, and x-rays, the ground. And we did that, and it kept it. It would hit. It was hit by that dirt mound, so we dug all that up. It's yeah. like it almost looks like a lawnmower, mm-hmm. but it's an X-ray machine, and it can go so many feet into the ground. It looks for, it can see. It look would look would see a shelf. I mean, a skeleton formation. Um, now it ever. I mean, there was there was very few places left to search in that house that we didn't search. I mean, they even brought luminol in and did the walls. So there was any blood splash or blood. The only thing you have to realize before you ask the question, the other thing you have to realize is if in fact there was a crime committed on Friday, this, the, uh, the suspect, and I'm not saying his name, had three days to dispose mm-hmm. of all the evidence and that his, at his leisure and his time, he came to report her missing. So yeah. if, if this crime committed on Friday, it Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday to, to clean up, to dispose, to get rid of everything. And what was really unique with this whole situation was he flew the kids to Puerto Rico, the two daughters. He flew them to Puerto Rico, and I think his belief was that there was no extradition from from Philadelphia, from the United States to Puerto Rico. But he failed to realize that it's a tributary of the United States, and there was an FBI office in <coughs> Puerto Rico that we were in communications with. I mean, his lawyer blasted me in the press, blasted the police department as being, you know, it was too much of a focused. Investigation. We didn't do a proper search, and you know we're picking, we're we're we're, we're, we're bla- um, slandering his client, throwing his name out there that I'm an incompetent. It's a whole article on me. Because at one point we even, if you remember, because you were from that area, we we had we brought in like 20 officers. We searched the entire cemetery, we walked the cemetery looking for any fresh, what appeared to be fresh graves that weren't on their registry. In case okay. he went across the street and dumped their because right ahead where that back house is on Beechwood. That dead ends right into the cemetery. Well, the cadaver dogs are there, and they responded, you know, to, I guess, you know, something. But, you know, they had plenty of time to get rid of any evidence that may have existed, you know? And if he really, really, really wanted to, you know, like he told the police that, oh, I was trying to get in contact with her, and she never picked up and stuff like that, he could have found a way for her for, to find her. There's a lot, and we, as a society, can probably know, say, we know what happened. We know who's responsible. That's next time on Who You Let In. Who You Let In is researched, written, recorded, and edited by me. The theme song was chosen from Upbeat and is called Travel in the Ocean. Sources and citations are included in the show notes. Until next time.